Welcome back to the third and final part of the defensive preview series. Want to uh, just acknowledge something real quickly on the linebacker episode. What we've been doing here is we've basically building kind of two separate 25 minute pods and then merging them together as part of our preview series. We tried something a little bit different this year. Hope you, the listener, have uh, enjoyed them. The Nolcast has been really successful because we have a great listenership and we've been able to partner with people like Louisiana Hot Sauce. Uh, for the Table Restaurant Group, uh, more recently Resolution Home Loans and Travis Johnson. But we've been successful with our advertisers because of the listenership that we have and the support that we get from you guys. We always want to be mindful of that and respectful of that. 21 minutes of content for ads is not necessarily being respectful of that. We just had a, a breakdown and didn't pair a second part of a podcast with it. So I mentioned our sponsors. We're forever grateful for them uh, but this will be a, an ad-free final part of the defensive preview just as a, a thank you to you the listener and it's uh, more indicative of the overall time of what a, a podcast should be when you pair it with the linebacker preview and the ads that we have uh, yeah well, let's just get out of here on on defensive backs so again uh, a continued theme when looking at the uh, defense overall, with the exception of one standout defensive end, but not a whole lot lost here uh, when we look back at uh, what Florida State uh, had in 2018 and won't have in 2019. A.J. Westbrook's the only real name of significance here. Real good kid by all accounts, great locker room guy, uh, Not uh, just not a ton of physical talent, uh, at least that was displayed on Saturday. So I uh, wish him the best in life, whatever it is that he does. Uh, heard nothing but positive things about AJ, but uh, when you look at a unit, that is not a, uh, a massive loss from a talent perspective. And this is uh, about as rich as Florida State is anywhere when you look at the overall talent level. And I think the uh, place where if you want to have real high expectations and put them on a unit, the, the defensive back is is probably the place where you want to put them. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, this is a, a unit that I have really high hopes for. Uh, for for a number of reasons, right? Fit, greater experience, greater competition, and actually talent level. I think there are some high level talents on this defense, and, and I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see what these guys can do. So starting wise, I think we we think at least when they run in their three four, this is what your starters are going to look like. And this is not set in stone. They're actually still rotating a good bit in practice. And I don't think it's all because of ineffectiveness. I, I think a decent bit of it is because they have multiple options who they they like and they're considering. But corners, Stanford Samuel's the third and Asante Samuel uh, Jr. That's a pretty good combo of corners. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's, it's the best set of corners in the ACC or something like that. But I I, I do think it's it's pretty solid. That's something that, that Florida State fans can hang their hat on. They have they have good variety here, too. Florida State, if you take a look at this, you have a really big corner in Samuel. Okay? He's he's a dude. And I, I like the position change for him going back from, from that safety position last year to corner. And you might say, well, well why? Like, he, he struggled last year in coverage at times at safety. Yes, he did. I think part of that was due to injury. He was never really healthy. Remember last year leading up to the VT game, we had the scare about his knee, and then he ended up coming back, and it was kind of like, who knows if he's actually like fully healthy or not. But they definitely needed him to play. Anyway, I, I, I think that that him at corner is, is more his natural position. Now, they liked him at safety last year because the thought was, okay, 
run support out of Samuels is a natural because he is 6'2 and, and 185 or whatever. But also, he's a guy who can cover deep routes when, when they come out of the slot because in this defense, you do have to convert. In, when you're in zone, you do have to convert a number of those deep routes to one-on-one man-to-man coverage. And that's an, that's an area in which he did struggle a little bit. I, I have some questions about Samuel's top-end speed, but I don't have a lot of questions about his ability to play the boundary corner position and uh, and, and, and to play effective effective press coverage and to stop the run. So I, I think that... After seeing a year of him, it made it made total sense in theory, and in practice did not work. Like not in practice terms of like practices, but in terms of like when it got in games, it just never worked how they wanted it to work, and they didn't have a ton of other options there for that spot. But I do think him at boundary corner makes a lot of sense, and I really love Asante Samuel. That he's one of these guys when when, when you hear whispers about how about how maybe this staff doesn't really like their older guys all that much on the whole, and they like their young guys a whole lot, and they, they wish they could flip this roster faster, but they know they can't cut the kids due to the APR score being the worst in the nation thanks to what Jimbo left them. And, you know, you can't be running kids off because you might miss you – know, your APR might drop so bad that you would miss a bowl, et cetera, et cetera. I think one of those guys are talking about how they love the young kids is Asante Samuel Jr., man. I mean, he is a – He's just relentless, you know, just just a huge pest to opposing receivers. He's talking smack. He's in their ear, but he backs it up with his play. He's not afraid to come up and make and make a tackle. And he's a guy who can cover a lot of ground and play that field corner spot. And that, that's what you have to do. Um, and we know that a lot of times in college, opposing quarterbacks don't really throw at the field corner spot too often because it, it's a it's a further further way throw. It's a more difficult throw. And uh I'm I'm feeling fairly confident about what they have here with their starting corners this year. Love Samuels. Uh, love Samuel. Uh, don't get the opinion that that kid suffers from a lack of confidence at all. Kind of reminds me of some older Florida State defensive backs. Tay Cody is one guy that comes to mind. Uh, look, I I think that that's as uh, that's about as sure of a thing as you can take away from last year's freshman. Uh, I just love that kid's uh, moxie, all sorts of uh, intangible terms and cliches, but a guy that uh, you have to feel really comfortable about. Let's move the conversation to maybe two other guys that uh, maybe don't have quite the level of confidence in what you'll get from them. Uh, Levanta Taylor is uh, an all-world recruit, a guy that uh, at times has looked like a – a five-star prospect and at times has looked like a kid that's really been held back and impacted by injuries. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's able to do this year. They've got him playing at a safety position, uh, supposedly a lot of uh, ideas of kind of copying his game around some of what uh, Tyra Matthew did at LSU. Uh, Taylor seems to have bought in uh, in a pretty good place mentally as he approaches the end of his Florida State career and looking to make the most of what time he has left. Remember that part that I said about Asante or about about uh, Stanford Samuels about how they like his ability to uh, to potentially pick up those vertical routes and convert them to man to man when they go down the field from, from the safety position. Just basically copy paste that to Levante Taylor because I, I think that's why they have him here in that safety role. The ability to play man to man coverage down the field and stick with speedy receivers, especially as they come out of the slot. 
when they're in their base cover four defense, which, yes, I know, they don't run that all the time, et cetera, et cetera. I got it. Now, the question that I would have about Samuel here, it, or not, not Samuel, excuse me, but about Levante Taylor here, is his ability to come up and stop the run and be physical. Because if you play safety, that's a little bit more of, of a thing as far as having to take on blocks from linemen and tight ends at times than it is when you play corner. Uh, so that's my concern, but I have a lot of confidence that he, he can pick up, especially now that he's healthy, and I do think he was hurt last year, and some people thought he was kind of just quitting after the Clemson game, uh, including some of Clemson's players, as we, you know, as we discussed on the show last year. But, man, I, I think this could work out here. It won't be perfect because he's just not that big. He's like, what, 5'10"? You want to give him a buck 80? Probably. But I think that there's potential for it to work out, especially because you have Hamsa Nasraldine next to him. And Hamsa is like 6'3", 6'4", 215-ish. He's a junior now. Had 68 tackles last year. I think having him, is he's a guy who can probably play a little bit more for you in the box if, if you're in your 3-4 your defense, up closer to the line of scrimmage, trying to make tackles. He's also a dude who can blitz for you if you want to do some safety blitzes. Not that Taylor can't, but but Hamsa's not not as good of a cover guy, not not by a long shot compared to Taylor. And so if you talk about fits and roles, you have your your big boundary corner, you have your kind of short, shorter, quicker, speedier field corner in, in Asante Samuel. You have your your safety, kind of your free safety, if you will, for kind of like old Madden terms here. Um, you, you can run and, and cover deep and and can pick up slot receivers, and you have Hamsa. Uh, who can be more of your enforcer, run stopper type, maybe a little more of a of a robber uh, role in pass coverage? You can really see this coming together and and fitting fitting potentially better than even preseason last year, but certainly better than what happened as the season wore on last year, right? Uh, and like you mentioned with Taylor, I also think that he will be dropping down and playing some slot when they do go to their their nickel and dime packages, which will happen quite a bit uh, starting in October. And you'll see some of that certainly in September. So I'm feeling pretty solid about the starters. And we also should talk a little bit here about the uh, about the reserves because there, there's some encouraging things going on there with the reserves too. Yeah, I got some really nice names here. Uh, the first one I'll list is Akeem Dent. I think it's somebody that uh, pushes for playing time throughout the year. A guy that, again, may not uh, – May not have his name announced uh, with his little picture in high school there at the beginning of the televised broadcast indicative of a starter, but I think at the end of the year, uh, a guy will, who have played snaps and minutes that are um, indicative of somebody that was in your rotation. Uh, great athlete, uh, kind of the the jewel of last year's recruiting class, and a guy that uh, I look forward to watching emerge over the course of his freshman year. Uh, Kyle Myers a solid player uh, certainly has his limitations but uh, when this is the type of depth you can bring at the position uh, it's indicative of a kid who's taking a lot of snaps uh, smart player uh, not again not supremely physically gifted but a guy that if he gets forced into game time uh, based off of injuries or anything else somebody that you can have a uh, you know a reasonable expectation that it doesn't turn into any kind of disaster there's no doubt about it um, I, I think you're, you're exactly right there 
Like having a guy like Myers, we don't talk about that much. But look, dude, like he's played a lot of games. If he's your third string corner or your second string corner, I think you're fine with that. I love seeing Becker finally get some reps in practice. He, he's sticking it at the, at the safety position. Maybe the light bulb's starting to come on there a little bit. And that's another guy to <clears throat> excuse me to, to you know to push a dude like like Cyrus Fagan, who's who's now a junior, and it's never really fully come on for him, although we heard he had a good, what, spring, I think it was, we, we had heard. And then you have a guy like, like A.J. Lighton, who we haven't heard a whole lot about, but we know he was the top recruit coming out. If he, if he, is he third string or, or kind of second, third string borderline? We'll have to see because we know those guys are getting pushed by dudes like, like Travis J. And, and, and Akeem Dent, who were five-star or, or borderline five-star type players coming out of high school. And can play both both corner and safety, and then you got a guy like Brendan Gant, who is a really smart football player and a, an enforcer and a thumper, and Raymond Woody the third, who's also a pretty smart football player and a pretty advanced guy. This is a this is a pretty loaded secondary. I I don't know that I would trade this secondary with too many teams in the ACC uh, or or on on Florida State schedule uh, to be sure and. Coaching-wise, like, look, you had some talent last year. You did have some injuries. For my for my taste, you had you had too many too many busts. And I know you were playing a lot of really young guys, but this is an important prove-it year uh, for Harlan Barnett. At, as a coordinator, he has a challenge to overcome with, with the loss of, of Brian Burns. There's just nobody on the roster that we feel great about rushing the passer. Uh, but as a DB coach as well, he certainly ha- has a little bit to prove here because we we believe that there's a good amount of talent in this DB group. Not like the most talented in the country or anything like that, but but certainly an upper tier ATC group. And you're going to want to see them play better. It's going to be interesting as well to separate DB play from what happens when the quarterback gets to hold the ball for four Mississippi, right? <laughs> you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi. Look. If you get four, if you get four seconds in the pocket, you're completing the ball on Bama and Clemson and anybody else. It's just that's how that works. Receivers are that good. Again, that's that's just how that happened. But I want to see how they do on plays where, where there's like some pass rush on the quarterback, and, and I want to see fewer just wide open busts. If you end up getting beat because you've ran around with a guy for for a three count and on a four count he beats you, all right. I, I, I get that. That's just that's just called ball. I'm excited to see this group. You want to do uh, you want to do floor ceiling on this? <laughs> floor ceiling. Uh, let's do it. This is a this is one of the more uh, fun conversations to talk about the floor. I, I think you've got two pieces here that uh, are really solid higher end pieces in Samuels and Samuel. Uh, Samuels III, Samuel Jr., and Levanta Taylor, who's had some moments uh, both on the higher and lower end of the spectrum, and Hamza Nasraldine, who's exceptionally physically gifted, uh, a guy who I personally thought should probably be playing closer to the line of the scrimmage uh, throughout his career, but looks to have settled in and, and retains a starter position. And then you've got all these great names that we talked about. A lot of them are freshmen, 
And it'd be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out over the course of the year. Uh, Dent is somebody that we've talked a lot about. I won't be repetitive there. Uh, Becker is not a freshman, but a guy that uh, has a lot of talent. A good kid seems to take to coaching uh, and would love to see him kind of get something out of his career. Uh, I think you're looking at one of the three best units in the conference uh, and maybe two corners that are uh, second or third team all conference at the end of the year in the best case scenario. I, I'm going to say it, man. My ceiling is best in the league. Okay. Like, like if everything goes right, I think this is one of the few positions that I would actually say if everything goes right. Like, for instance, at receiver, no way, right? Like, we know they could have the best damn receiver season that, that they could possibly have, and you're still not touching Clemson. And you're probably at best tying with, with VT. But here, Clemson lost a lot in their secondary. Miami lost some. I'm open to the possibility that if everything goes right, you could have the best uh, the, the best secondary in the league. And I'm I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I, I am pretty encouraged about the floor here, simply because of the talent of the backups and the experience of the uh, of the starters. You, you got something in mind for the floor? Uh, floor, I think, again, I, I think the floor is fairly high here. I would say maybe you're fourth best in the league. Uh, the The floor is a – is <laughs> be interesting to see how quickly the floor conversation transitions in, into broader coaching uh, questions, and you alluded to them there. Uh, but if, if this isn't one of the better units, if this is something where we're looking at a floor, then you've got to ask yourself what you're doing. I can kind of understand – where last year's optimism was not all that different than the conversation that we're having right now. Felt real good about the unit, didn't get the performance level uh, that maybe the preseason hype uh, was indicative of. In retrospect, I can kind of understand that. In this one, it'll all be a little more critical, but at the same time, uh, if you're not getting any pass rush and, and teams have figured out a way to give their quarterback some of the time that you just referenced then we're gonna have to have a little bit more of a nuanced conversation as to uh uh, maybe still critical of the same (laughs) same individuals uh on the coaching staff but maybe not put the blame uh on an individual unit of player sure exactly right there's so many things you have to be able to isolate I, i agree with you on the floor i think their floor is still is still upper third of the league, especially because because some really good secondaries lost some pieces, right? I mean, Boston College was probably the league's best secondary last year, or, or second maybe to Clemson, and and they lost like everybody. I mean, like everybody, everybody. Miami was actually pretty damn good last year too. So, but you have to be able to separate out things like pass rush and okay, hey, maybe that was actually the responsibility of the linebacker there to care to carry that guy up at the second level, and it looks like the safety didn't get up quick enough. Oh, wait, nope. Actually, it's because the linebacker didn't carry the, this, this receiver or, or pass catcher to depth at all, and so he had 15 yards to, to run free and do whatever the heck he wanted between himself and the uh, the safety. So, But I, I think we generally have a pretty good idea of just being able to watch, watch the, the, the tape and say, okay, this was likely this guy's responsibility. And if you see it over and over again, uh, you do see some things. The one thing I want to see is is fewer just busts as far as assignment busts. I want to see a more assignment sound defense. Physically, I, I think this team is going to have it. I want to make sure that they're, they're that they're they're coordinated well and that, that they all that they're actually coordinated. Like like the different pieces 
are matching each other and that like they're not having assignment busts where, where, where a guy is just running running wide open. So yeah, that's that's kind of one of my things to look for there. People uh, were complaining, by the way, I did look up some stats here we, we can kind of finish out with. Folks were complaining that they were not very good on third and long last year. Uh, that's actually not true. This defense was much worse on third and short. Last year, third and long percentage, 39th in the nation. So upper third. Third and long, or excuse me, third and short, 76. Kind of interesting there, huh? Mm, yeah. Now, success rate, a little bit different story. They actually were 77th in the nation in third and long uh, success rate. So slightly different there. You could certainly see some improvement. They were very good, very good from the kind of 21 to 30-yard range. And inside the 10, they were actually a top 25 defense as well, which I would attribute a lot to the linebacker pass coverage stuff not being quite as much of an issue because it's it's more of a confined area. They were the number four team in the nation on goal line success rate defensively, which was really, really good. Pretty solid. Now, they were not not a good blitz team despite the fact they blitzed a lot. I feel like I've said that for about 10 years in a row now, <laughs> kind of since Telvin left. And I feel like when they were backed up off of, of sudden change, they were not so good. But at the same time, there's a motivation angle there. W- once you know that your offense is just total hot garbage and is going to continually like hang you out to drive for field position, because again, I would say the number one most important stat of this defense last year was the fact that they had the absolute worst, literally number 130 out of 130, opponent starting field position, which was – this is still unbelievable to me. The 35.6-yard line is where opponents started at on average. Anyway, I think that that sort of colors people's opinions of this defense more than it should. Like They were 80th in total defense last year, and that's not really that great of an indication. They were 37th in defensive S&P. To me, that's a lot closer to what they were, which would mean that they were a top third defense, not an elite defense by any stretch, not even a great defense or anything like that. But, you know, just a a defense that was a heck of a lot better than the offense. Oh, we should probably make a prediction on on where this defense finishes. I I know we did something for the offense. Last year, the offense was 97th. You can listen to our previous, uh, previous episodes for where we thought the offense would end up. Last year the defense was thirty seventh. Uh, what do you uh, what do you got here? I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to uh, predict that we finish somewhere between forty fifth and fiftieth in the country on defense. I, I think you'll see a statistical slide. Okay, I'm I'm mixed on this. So. If you see a statistical slide, if I can pick your brain here, I assume it's because you just don't think they're going to have a pass rush. I don't think you're going to have a pass rush, and I get worried about, I think, uh, like a lot of what you have your first three, uh, I get worried about running those guys uh, into the ground a little bit and sustaining injuries along the line of scrimmage. So that really concerns me uh, a lot. And yet I do kind of wonder, like, is this team mentally better than it was last year? Because I think the defense had some quit in them in some games last year when it knew the offense just couldn't score. 
you may be playing a lesser slate of offenses this year. In fact, I, I think you probably are, but that's accounted for in your defensive S&P rank, right? Like last year, you know, Syracuse had a really good offense, but that, that was accounted for. Although Syracuse against you last year, I don't think they played that good of offense, but on the whole, they certainly did. NC State, Notre Dame, Florida, et cetera. You'll play lesser offenses, but I, that that's, I mean, you get credit for that in your S&P, which is one of the reasons why we use it. But in saying that, you might not have margins in your games this year that are quite as big as last year as far as like the offense not giving you any points. And thus, you may not have reason to quit. You also might have more leads. So while your pass rush may not be as good on an efficiency basis, you may have a total better like aggregate pass rusher stuff, numbers, production, simply because you'll have more reps uh, to rush the passer. I, I, I think they're, they're – is it a cop-out if I just think they're kind of going to be in that like 30 to 45 range? I, I could see some improvement, but also I could see some slide. Certainly, and I, I may be overselling some of the some of the concerns that I have, and maybe they're going to be a better unit. And I think you bring up a lot of good points about uh, motivation and mutual trust along the group on the other side of the line of scrimmage, or just the idea of an overall buy-in and not as many blowouts. But uh, I do have some concerns about this unit, like like some of the pieces, but also uh, some very real concerns as to some of the holes that might display themselves over the course of a season. Also worth noting here, we're both still projecting them to be better than the offense. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Which has been interesting because in, in, you know, like, I don't have time to listen to a bunch of other stuff, but in listening, like, in kind of just figuring out what they're saying to the listener emails, it does seem like there's some thought out there that the offense is going to be, like, a lot better than the defense. And I don't. I don't know that that's true. I know the offense has been doing well in practice, but uh, also, who are they blocking as far as pass rush? I mean, Kando hasn't even been practicing for mo- most of spring. I mean, are you are you blocking like Josh Brown and and getting these passes off? Because if so, that's not that encouraging to me, right? Like everybody you play in league play is going to be better than like a Josh Brown type player. So yeah, I, I I I still have the defense being better than the offense. If it's not that's something I think pretty weird has gone on. Either you have one of the largest offensive turnarounds in the history of college football single season, which I actually do have some cool stats on, by the way. We'll share that in our sort of season prediction show, which will be the the last one we do before our Boise preview. Or the defense just completely collapsed with injuries, which would, would suck. I, I, I hate it because I like a lot of these kids on this defense. But uh, you got anything else for the, uh, for the tripart defensive preview show? No, I don't. Hopefully people enjoyed that. A little bit of a different look at trying to uh, give you an overall as to what the defense is or what it might be. Nice little unit. It'd be fun to watch uh, how it plays out and what uh, what the con- consensus is at the end of the year as far as coaching and what they got out of it. No doubt, buddy. I'll talk to you soon.